The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. Things were, were slow or locked down. You're thinking, you know, what are we waiting for? Let's just do this, move forward, get this done. What are we waiting for? Uh, some personalities feel that more urgently than others, and I have to admit that I'm probably one that feels that. What are we waiting for? Why aren't we moving? You know, there's something that we need to wait for. A third thing that we are going to find is God's recipe for hope. God's recipe for hope. Many of you uh, indulge in the kitchen and mixing and, and masterfully different spices and ingredients to make wonderful things. That's really not my thing. I could throw my shoe on the grill and call it dinner, but uh, some of you are a little more classy than I am when it comes to that. So uh, I understand that you would understand recipes and, and the importance of those things. Well, God has some recipes. Take, take one part this, one part that, mix thoroughly, and you get this. You know, we're going to see that uh, God's recipe for hope. Uh, I want to get right into the Word because I, I want to, to cover a lot of ground very quickly here, but I do want to remain effective in doing so. 1 John chapter 4 is where we've had the, the foundation laid. It's speaking about love and the importance of love, the value of love and the priority of love. Uh, it begins like this in verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. I want to pause there for a moment. You could go on to continue to read and you would see things like the call to love one another, which would be very important. But I think it's very important to stop here and, and see those three words. God is love. For us to know God, we have to know love. To know love is to know God. It's important for us to come to the place where we understand what love is. And obviously throughout this series, we've talked about how love has become a, a descriptive word used very often for things that are, are liked or, or valued in some way. But love is a wonderful and powerful uh, a word with, with a dynamic definition that consists of, of many wonderful attributes that make up what it is. And we've turned to the scripture to see that. And I want to do that right now as we move forward. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning in verse 4. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning in verse 4, you see love is. And upon seeing love is, you can be assured that the words that follow are going to be describing what love is. Love is patient, it's kind. Love is, does not envy, it does not brag, and is not arrogant. It doesn't act unbecomingly, it doesn't seek its own, it's not provoked. Uh, love does not take into account a wrong suffered, nor does love rejoice in unrighteousness or iniquity, but rather rejoices in truth. Love bears all things, love believes all things, love hopes all things, love endures all things, love never fails. Now, today we're at love hopes all things. Throughout the series, we've stopped on each one of these. We've talked about them, the, the value, the importance, how God's called them to be a part of our lives. These are the things that make up love. Not one by itself, but all of these things together. For love to be present, for love to exist, these boxes need to be checked off. Now, throughout the series, you know, we've used the same uh, lines to kind of communicate, and, and I think that's effective. I think it's repetition that makes revelation a reality in your lives. I mean, we need to see these things repeatedly, but I can express my love to, to uh, Pastor Jared. Pastor Jared, I love you, you know. 
But could I tell Pastor Jared that I'm kind to him or that I'm patient with him or that I don't envy his incredible guitar skills? Maybe sometimes I do, just a little bit. Well, it's important for us to understand that checking off these boxes is necessary for love to be genuine and true. I mean, we like things, and that's good. It's important to be able to like things and enjoy things, but love is a powerful force. In fact, by definition, God is love, therefore love is God. And in this situation, we need to see that there's an important uh, a series of things that need to be present in our lives for love to exist and flow through us as we're called to love one another. Now, we're talking about love hoping all things. Just like last week, we talked about love believing all things. Now, we made it a, a very important point, and it was just kind of one line thrown in there, but I think if you miss that line, you, you could really miss the point. The way that it's worded, love hopes all things, it doesn't mean that love puts its hope in every little thing. It means love, love hopes through all things. There's not a single situation or a single circumstance where love runs short on or runs out of hope. It's important. I mean, if we find ourselves in a situation where we feel hopeless or we're in a situation where we've even declared hopelessness, when there is a, a mentality of hopelessness, we can be guaranteed and assured there's an absence or a void of love. Because love will bring hope into every situation. Love will bring hope into every circumstance. Love will bring hope into every situation. By biblical definition, love hopes all things or in, during, through all things. And hope is really important. I want to give you a passage of scripture here. Uh, remember, we talked about uh, uh, some things that we were going to find in the scripture. The first one was going to be what hope uh, affects or why it's important, why we need it. We're going to find that out now from the Proverbs, Proverbs 13, 12. Proverbs 13, verse 12. It reads like this, that hope deferred, when hope is, is pushed away and not brought to pass, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But desire fulfilled is a tree of life. A tree meaning that which produces. It's a source for life. I mean, when when hope is being embraced and celebrated and fulfilled in our lives, you see wonderful, uh, life-giving celebration. It's a very enjoyable thing to see hope come to pass. But when hope is deferred, it's enough to bring what the Bible would refer to as a heart sickness. Now, I've felt that in my life. There have been things that I have hoped for, and it's been delayed, and therefore there's been a frustration or a disappointment. And for many people right now in the situations and the circumstances that they're facing, they're feeling hope deferred. They want to see something come to pass. They want to see a change, a transformation. For some, they want to see a cure or deliverance of some sort. And that being deferred day by day leads to more frustration, more heart sickness. And hope has an effect on the heart, and for good reason. I want to give you a few passages of Scripture, and we need to just connect a few dots together to understand why hope has such a powerful effect on the heart. I'll give you a couple of passages of Scripture out of the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 11, verse 6, it speaks about faith, and I want to give that passage of Scripture to you. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful, powerful verse about faith, but if we go a few passages before this, if we go up to verse 1, we're going to see what faith is made up of, what faith consists of, what's required in order to even have faith in the first place. 
Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For faith to exist in our lives, there's going to be a measure of hope connected to it. Now, whether you think one came before the other is, is of no consequence for the purposes of today's message. We're talking about the importance of hope and how hope is connected to faith. Faith is connected to living a godly, God-pleasing life. I want to give you a passage of scripture here as it concerns hope out of Romans chapter 8, verses 24 and 25. It speaks of hope like this, for in hope we have been saved. But hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what they've already seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. That's an important passage of scripture there because I think no matter where you're at in life, no matter where you're at in our current circumstances or situations, no matter where you're at in any place where you're needing to see God bring deliverance or breakthrough, you're in a place where there's a need for hope. And oftentimes, we're looking for something. And according to this passage of scripture, we can all be encouraged that if you can see it, it's not hope. If you can see it right here, right now, if it's tangible and you can put your hands on it, you're not dealing in hope. Hope is for that thing that you cannot see, that which is yet to come to pass. And for me personally, for you, for all of the country, for, for the entire globe, there is a hope that is stirring in us for a deliverance that is yet to come. And when you read this passage of Scripture, you see three things, and I think these three things are easily glossed over as you read that we need to take note of as it concerns uh, putting our, our hearts in a position of hope, trusting and believing that even though we can't see it right now, it's coming. The last words in that passage of Scripture speak of hoping for the things that cannot be seen with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. Now, there's three words there that stand out to me. One is perseverance. Perseverance being that endurance, that willingness to, to, to not run, to, to not hide, that willingness to not throw in the towel or give in. Perseverance is that drive and that fight that's necessary for us to live out lives of hope. Hope that's necessary to live out lives of faith, the faith that is God-pleasing and necessary for us to be the, the sons and the daughters of God, the Christians that we're called to be. There's a need for perseverance to exist in us. When I see that in the scripture, it, it, it enters into my prayer life. Father, make me to be a persevering man. Let perseverance rise in me. Let wisdom, strength, and courage be present in me to endure every hardship, everything that would come my way to try to, to derail hope and bring heart sickness and depression into my life. Let there be the perseverance that's necessary to endure until the very end when that which you've promised, that which I hope for, finally is set before my eyes and I see clearly your deliverance. Let me persevere. With perseverance, we wait eagerly. There's another word there, wait. To ask God for that perseverance, to have that perseverance is one thing. You could have all of the strength and all of the courage that anyone has ever had, but if you're unwilling to wait, then it's all wasted and lost. It enters into my prayer life. Father, as I desire hope in these days, in these times, fill me with that perseverance, but also give me the patience to wait. Give me the patience to wait. 
Let the trust that exists in my heart be magnified to the point that I would not be moved by fear or anxiety, but let me wait. Let me wait patiently. And then you see this perseverance and this waiting is attached to another word, eagerly. Now, eagerly is a descriptive word describing the waiting. And I think it's important because it is attached to our attitude during that waiting process. With perseverance, let us wait eagerly. Now, many times in my life, I have waited, and it hasn't been eager. I have waited disgruntled. With an attitude that's sour and bad. And I praise God for His patience, His mercy, His grace, and His endurance with with my bad attitude on occasion. On many occasions, for that matter. Where my waiting wasn't eager, there was no anticipation, but rather there was this sourness, this attitude of, well, I'm doing my job, where are you at? Here I am, persevering, I'm waiting, any time now. But that eagerness needs to be that which is fueled by an anticipation. An anticipation that God is faithful, that He keeps His word, that His promises are true. According to the scripture, both yes and amen, He's faithful. His promise to us to not leave, His promise to not forsake, His promise to make provision, His promise to bring healing, His promise to deliver, all of His promises are what we wait and persevere eagerly for. Your attitude, my attitude, is very important during these times. You can see it throughout the Scripture. And I can tell you, one of the greatest battlegrounds in my life personally is in my attitude. There's tremendous temptation to fall into negativity, complaining, grumbling. Carnality is what I would describe it in a, using a biblical word. And it's a very easy thing for any person to do. It's a natural default that we are supernaturally being delivered from. It's the reason why when God's leading us by His Spirit, because when we're led by our flesh, it goes to dark places. With perseverance, we wait eagerly. We wait eagerly for what? The thing that we're hoping for. Now, earlier when we read that passage of Scripture from Hebrews, Hebrews 11, verse 1, we read the following, Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. I want to read a couple of definitions just from the dictionary. Substance, by definition, is the the real physical matter which a person or thing consists of. Tangible, solid in its presence. Evidence, the available body of facts or information indicating whether a belief or a position is valid or true. So faith is this wonderful thing. It's this actual tangible substance, meaning it can be seen, it can be felt. I mean, I can watch actions that are actions of faith, and those actions are the actual manifestation of faith. They're the evidence, they're the substance. But according to that passage of Scripture, they're the evidence or the substance of things hoped for. We've got to have hope in our lives in order to produce that evidence or that substance through our actions. In these times, our hope is to see Jesus glorified. 
in these times, our hope is to see the name of Jesus exalted over all sickness and disease, over all financial catastrophe and disaster, over all chaos and anarchy. In these times, our hope is Jesus Christ reigning and ruling as healer, Messiah, King, Deliverer. That's our hope. And with that hope planted deep inside of our hearts, now then our actions, our words, our attitudes begin to manifest what would be defined as faith. The evidence and the substance of that hope that exists inside of us. The way we carry ourselves, the way we conduct ourselves, the words that we speak, the actions that we perform, who we are in our day-to-day lives is the evidence and the substance of that powerful hope that is inside of us, the hope that is Jesus. I want to give a passage of scripture here, a couple of them. You're welcome to, to uh, take these just as they, as they come. I want to offer them to you as, as this. They're a little bit of a hope test. Almost like if you could, could take a little your temperature and just find out where your, your hope level is. And it's important to me, and that's just how I see it. You don't have to see it that way. But how to tell if you're, you're in need of hope, if you're hope deficient, if you need an injection of hope. I think these are some important and and powerful scriptures to to lean on for those things. Uh, Out of the Psalms, 42 verse 5. You'll find the same thing throughout the Psalms. You'll find it in 43 verse 5. You'll find it in Psalm 42 verse 11. You'll find the same verbiage repeated throughout the Psalms, which tells me something. The psalmist dealt with this. The psalmist had his hope or her hope, whoever's writing, the psalmist had his hope under attack. Just like you, man, woman, could have your hope under attack. No matter what your age, you could be uh, elderly, you could be young, it doesn't matter. Your hope can come under attack. That attack against hope, that war waged on hope, is no respecter to person, gender, age. It does not matter. Our hope is constantly under attack. And to identify the need for hope to be in our lives, we can look to these passages of Scripture. And I believe the psalmist dealt with this on a number of occasions, and I believe that's why it's in his writings on a number of occasions. In Psalm 42, verse 5, it reads like this, Why are you in despair, O my soul? So you have to pause there and realize that this individual, in this case, this writer who is passionate about God, who is seeking after God, is in a state of despair. Now, I didn't take the time to look up the word despair in the dictionary, but I'd like for you to think about it. What is the word despair? I mean, if I opened up the altar and just said, hey, I want to lay hands on people today to impart despair, do you think there would be a long line? (laughs) No. It's undesirable, despair. And I mean, even just in its nature, the word communicates all kinds of depression and gloom and suffering and sorrow. Despair is a powerfully negative word. And yet here's somebody who is a believer, who's trusting in God and who's writing out their prayers in song and, and in celebration that God will hear. And they are identifying this fact and this truth that in this moment, in this time, they are in despair. Well, that makes me feel a little better about the times when I've known despair, about the times when despair attempts to creep into my mind or my heart even now during these current circumstances and situations. 
I got a call from somebody who, who said some things that were very ominous and bizarre, and I, I think it was very distasteful for them to make the call. And the person was asking very personal questions. They were financial questions. And, and I, I told the person, you know, I had no concerns about this at all until you called. There's all of these attempts to get our mind racing and our heart discouraged. There's all of these attempts to creep in and bring this, this attack against hope, this despair. And when you see it in the Psalms, it's encouraging to me to know that it's okay to feel that. It's just not okay to stay that way. We need to deal with it. It has no place in us because hope and faith are, are calling in our portion to function and operate, to live out our lives in power, expanding the kingdom of God bringing him honor and glory through our words and actions. Psalm 42, verse 5, Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? Hope. Do you see the word hope there? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. I love this passage of Scripture because it's, it's rich with evidence. I mean, you have to hunt for it and look for it, but when you see it, it's there. First of all, the evidence that here's someone that believes, that, that trusts in God, that has followed God, but yet in this moment, they're, they're having doubt or worry or fear or anxiety. They're defining it with the word despair. They're identifying that this isn't a good thing. It's a bad thing. They're even asking, why does this exist? Why is it here? And why am I giving in to it? Why have I allowed this to bring a disturbance or an inconsistency in me? Why am I letting this change my attitude? Why am I letting this change my behavior? Why am I letting this change who I am? And then you see this in the end. You see that, that this passage of Scripture. Hope in God. That's his solution for dealing with this despair. This despair that has entered into my life, that has caused me to fear, caused me to be anxious, caused me to doubt, that I know doesn't belong there, but it's bringing a disturbance into my world. This despair that exists is going to be ministered to with hope. Hope in God. And then here comes the little test. For I shall again praise him for his help in his presence. Our ability to praise God, our ability to be grateful. I love that it doesn't just say praise God, but it says what for? Praise Him for His help. That's, that's an expression of gratitude and thanksgiving to acknowledge that He has done great things. And for that we shall praise His name. And I love that the psalmist is willing to say again, I'll praise him again for those things. You know what that means? I mean, I'm reading between the lines here, but bear with me. It means he quit. It means he stopped. I've got to get back to that. Why are you despairing? Why are you cast down, oh my soul? Hope in God and get back to giving him thanks for the awesome stuff that he's done in the past. He's not going to change. He'll do it today. He'll do it tomorrow. He will continue to deliver his beloved. Pretty awesome psalm. Hope is a powerful thing. Psalm 31 verse 24. Be strong and let your heart take courage. All of you who hope in the Lord. Now I do something kind of funny when I read the psalms. I like to read them forward and then I like to interpret them backward. 
I mean, it sounds kind of goofy, and if it doesn't make sense to you, maybe it's just some weird quirk that I have. But it seems to be effective and valuable to me, and I'd like to share it with you in case it does the same for you. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all of you who hope in the Lord. Now, when I interpret that backward, all of you who hope in the Lord, be strong and let your heart take courage. That putting our hope in God is what opens the door for our heart to receive strength and courage to make the choices, the decisions, to have the attitudes and the the verbiage that we're called to have during any time where our hope is under attack. Where despair attempts to creep in. I love hope. To me, hope is the most powerful element in a believer's life. I'm not throwing that out there for the purpose of starting debate. I'm just telling you how I feel about it. Hope is different than wishing. I mean, there's a lot of people who are in despair today. And people are responding differently. Though they can be in the same circumstances, in the same situations, they can respond very differently. And in my opinion, and it is an opinion, people will all be in one of two categories. Those who are wishing will be one category, and those who are hoping will be another. So I want to give you a difference in the definition. If you were to look up the word wish in the dictionary, you would see this, to desire or want. To desire or want. I mean, many people are wishing there were a vaccine. Many people are wishing that their their place of employment would reopen its doors. Many people are are wishing that the stock market would, would, would pick back up. Many people are wishing that the price of oil would stabilize. Many people are wishing all sorts of things. They're desiring that. They're wanting that. By definition, to wish is to desire or to want. But God has granted us a wonderful and powerful gift. He's given us hope so that we can be delivered from wishing. Wishing to desire or want, but hope by definition. To desire or want with anticipation or expectation. Now it sounds really close. It sounds very similar, but there's a massive difference. Did you notice what's missing from wishing? Anticipation or expectation. There is no promise attached to wishing. Hope has the promise attached to it that allows us to desire or to want with an anticipation or an expectation that it will come to pass. Because that promise that's attached comes from our maker, our creator, comes from our king and our savior. Now, before we've talked about different words in the scripture, and when we talked about believing, you know, uh, uh, last week, we talked about that. Now we're talking about hoping. But there's a wonderful and powerful way to interpret the word hope in the scripture. To trust in. You cannot hope by a biblical definition without trust. To trust what? To trust that God will do what he said he'll do. To have that anticipation or that expectation that he'll make good on his word. If we find that we're hoping without trust... We're not hoping at all. We're wishing. I mentioned before we're going to find what we're waiting on. 
There's something that we're waiting on here, and I want to give you a passage of Scripture here. Out of the psalm, Psalm 39, verse 7, it reads like this. And now, O Lord, for what do I wait? Question mark. My hope is in you. For now, O Lord, what am I waiting on? My hope is in you. As we speak about hope, I want to anticipate these things that are coming to be revealed in the Scripture here as being powerful elements to help us in our prayer life, in our our thought-making, our decision-making, our actions. This question, what am I waiting on in the things that I'm doing, in this identification of what our hope is, that our hope is in God, is not just some random question and answer, but rather it's an instruction. That as we're waiting on God, our hope is in Him. Our hope is actually Him. I want to give you a passage of Scripture from Matthew. Matthew chapter 12, verse 21. It's speaking of Jesus. And it speaks of His name. And in His name, the world will hope. Now, we've talked about the name of Jesus before. I mean, coming from Yeshua or Joshua in the Scripture, meaning the salvation of God or God saves. This name is not just something that is meant to be a powerful word that we use in our prayers. I mean, God hasn't called us to function like witches or warlocks casting spells and using words that have power. Rather, he's called us to understand the power of the name of Jesus. That to call upon the name Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, is to call upon the saving grace, the saving power of God himself. And when we operate in the hope in His name, we're placing His name above all of those things that are bringing despair. And throughout the Scripture, you see that God reveals hope to people by revealing His name. You can see it in the banners around the building here. Now, these are just a few. But they're pulled from the Scripture for the purpose of encouragement, for the purpose of testifying that that is who God is. He'll never change. He'll never stop being Yahweh, our provider. Whether you say Jehovah Jireh, whether you say Yahweh Jireh, whether you say Jehovah Shalom or Yahweh Shema or Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, you can pull from His revealed names and you can place your hope in that He is who He says He is. I want to talk about how to get hope in our lives. Because it's one thing to understand that we need hope. It's another thing to pursue and intentionally acquire hope. I want to give you a couple of passages of Scripture here. I want to give you a passage out of Romans. Romans chapter 5. I want to look at verses 1 through 5. Romans chapter 5 beginning in verse 1. It says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we also have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exalt in hope, hope of the glory of God. Not only this, but we exalt in our tribulations. Tribulations, we've got a number of tribulations right now. Not just in the city of Abilene or the state of Texas or in the United States of America, but worldwide. Now I want to show you something from the scripture about the value of the time that we're in. Knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, perseverance brings about proven character, proven character brings about hope, and hope does not disappoint. 
because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit that was given to us. This is a tremendous opportunity. This is a wonderful time for hope to prevail, for hope to exist and to shine, for hope to be manifest in each one of us and released through us. This is a time for hope to not only be lived out, but to be shared richly. I mean, we can celebrate social distancing, but we can still send hope through our words, through encouragement, through our actions, through our example. Hope is meant to shine in times like this. And it's hope and hope alone that will bring about satisfaction. According to the scripture, it's hope and hope alone that won't disappoint. Everything else will fall short. James chapter 1 speaks of times like we're in now and speaks of, of, of those things in chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. It's a call for us to consider it all joy when we encounter hardship and trial, knowing that the testing of faith produces endurance. And it's a call to let endurance have its perfect result so that we can be perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. When you attach that passage of Scripture to what we read out of Romans the, pr the product of those times is hope. It's hope that leaves us complete. To live a life without any anticipation that God is who He says He is. To live a life without the awareness or the, the, the trust that He will do what He says He will do. To live a life outside of that. To live a life of wishing rather than a life of hoping is to live a life of despair. But to live a life of hope is to understand that in times like this, we have what manifests inside of us that God has placed there that is revealed to the world, bringing honor and glory to the kingdom of God, the very hope that God's blessed us with in our King Jesus. I want to give you a couple of passages of Scripture. God wants us to have an abundance of hope, and there's a reason why. I'll give you a passage out of Romans. Romans 15, verse 13. I mentioned to you before we're going to find God's recipe for hope. And we'll find it here. And this is why this is important to know. I mean, if we feel that hope has been assaulted in our lives, if we feel that worry and doubt, or we feel that, that some element of despair has crept in and diminished the hope that's inside of us, we'll understand what we need to bring into our life in order to see hope rise. God's recipe for hope. Romans 15 verse 13, it reads like this, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you, who? You. So that you will abound, abound, meaning from abundance, having a, a, a surplus of, abound in hope by the power of the Holy Ghost. I want to read that again without interruption. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Ghost. This passage of Scripture opens up identifying God as the God of hope. He's the God of hope. There's no other source for hope. I, I love that idea. Now, I mean, it may not be perfect, but many of you have heard, I believe of in these states are, are a word that indicates possession. I mean, you could just say, this is Preston's Bible, or you could say, hey, that's the Bible of Preston. 
God is the God of hope. He possesses all hope. He's the source of hope. There's absolutely no hope outside of our God. And in this wonderful identification that God is the source of hope, we see that He wants to get hope into us. His ultimate goal in this passage is that you would abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That hope would not only be in you, but that it would be so inside of you that you couldn't contain it. Because it's meant to spill out off of you onto those around you. Hope transfers. And as much as I hate to use this word with today's scenarios and situations, and I mean no humor in this, hope is contagious. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in your believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. What I see here is that God is the source of hope, that He wants me to be abounding with hope, and that He's going to make this happen by filling me with two things. Joy and peace. That's where I think we see God's recipe for hope. If the God of hope wants to get hope into my life, you'd think He'd just give me some hope. But the God of hope, who's bringing hope into my life, doesn't give me hope. Rather, He gives me joy and peace. God's recipe for hope. Take one part hope. I'm sorry, take one part joy. Take one part peace. Mix thoroughly. And the result is going to be hope. Joy and peace. So I want to offer this to you during times where hope is so important and so necessary. Do everything in your power, do everything you can righteously do to protect and to preserve your joy and your peace. I can assure you that joy and peace will come under attack. Joy and peace will come under attack. Attempts to sow strife and, and disturb joy and to disturb peace will be sown and they will spread like wildfire. Because to attack a family, to attack an individual, to attack any believer's joy and peace is to hobble their hope, to disrupt their hope. Because by biblical definition, as we see here in Romans, the God of hope fills us with hope abundantly by imparting joy and peace to our lives. I want to show you in the scripture quickly, and it's going to be very quickly, why these two ingredients... Why peace and why joy? And it really, when you come to see it, you, it helps us to understand and, and make sense of the gospel in its entirety. Peace and joy are the things that Jesus brings into our lives through the gospel. I want to give you a passage of scripture as it concerns joy. Now remember, the God of hope is going to fill us with all joy and peace so that we can abound in hope. John chapter 17, verse 11. John chapter 17, verse 11. Jesus is praying for you, and as he's praying for you, he asks God something wonderful and powerful. Let me read it to you straight out of the scripture. He begins and he's speaking to the Father, and he says that, He's not going to be in the world any longer. But yet we're in the world. And he comes to God and he says, Holy Father, 
those that you've given me, that they may be one. I ask you that they may be one just as we are one. While I was with them, I was keeping them. I was keeping them in your name, which you've given to me. I guarded them, and not one of them perished except for the one that the scripture might be fulfilled. Now look down at verse 13. But now I come to you, God, and I'm praying. I ask these things. I speak these things in the world that they may have my joy made full in themselves. This entire request that Jesus is making on your behalf to be sanctified by the word, to be uh, uh, set apart, to be made holy, to function and operate as the church as we know it today, the body of Christ on the earth, this prayer that's being offered to God has a point to it, a purpose to it. And according to the words that Jesus would pray, that purpose is so that his joy would be in you. That his joy would be in me. And then as it concerns peace, if you want a passage of Scripture to affirm and confirm that, that Jesus brings peace into your life, it's the reason for the gospel, the point of the gospel, John 14, verse 17. Jesus would speak to his disciples and speak to them concerning peace, saying that it's for peace that he comes. He brings peace, not as the world gives, but a peace that would transcend, according to the Scripture, all understanding. I think it's an amazing thing that he would word it this way. Because the peace as the world gives is a peace that is accomplished through treaty and compromise. But the peace that Jesus brings into our life is a peace that results from complete surrender. Yielding to the direction, yielding to the counsel, yielding to the word and the will of God. That perfect peace. And as we look at the times that we're in, knowing that God's called us to be a light, a beacon of hope, I think it's important for us to call upon the Lord for joy and peace to be magnified in us. If I want hope to be magnified in my life, I need joy and peace. As we come together, as we pray together, I want to pray for that for us. I want to intercede for the city, this region, the state, the, the country worldwide. I want to give you a passage of scripture uh, to close with. I'm going to ask Pastor Jared to come up and begin to play Softly there. Uh, Psalm 33, beginning in verse 18. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope for his loving kindness, to deliver their soul from death, to keep them alive during trouble. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart rejoices in him, because we trust in his name. And then this last line is very important. It's spoken directly to the Father. Let your loving kindness, O Lord, be upon us, according as we have hoped in you. According to as we have hoped in you. When I read this passage of scripture, it stands out to me. According to as we have hoped in you. It's a call. For the loving kindness of God to be revealed in the same measure that hope has been placed in him. Father, let your loving kindness be revealed to me according to as I have hoped in you. I want us to hope in measures that are humongous.
Measures that are more than we can contain ourselves. Measures that are so great that any attempt to contain it would lead it to spill out. That we would walk in that abundance of hope that the God of hope so desires to fill us with through joy and peace. I want there to be a measure increase as we pray and as we seek God. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. And I want to take a moment to pray together. I want to trust and I want to believe God for something absolutely incredible. That there would be a a passion and desire to be a beacon of hope. Just a simple awareness that God in this time you can use me to do something absolutely great. You can position me to say the right thing to the right person. You can lead me to do the right thing in the right moment. You can fill me with peace and joy to such a place that hope is the result and that not only does it abide in me, but it spills out on all of those around me. There where you stand, I want to pray and I want to ask God to do that. I want to ask God to do these things in our hearts and in our minds. And as that begins, I want to encourage us to release that in prayer and intercession. We won't be long, but I want to encourage you to begin to pray. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Let him put families, households, uh, maybe it's, it's cities or states. God lays them on your heart. But we have a purpose and a call during this time. Just as a lamp set on a lampstand to let hope abide in us and be released through us. Father, I bless your name and thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for our King Jesus, the source of peace and joy. We ask now, will you fill us up in abundance with peace and joy? Let our minds be flooded with peace. Peace that our King will never be dethroned. Peace that his love and affection for us will never change. Let our hearts be overwhelmed with joy that no matter what we are facing in these times, you are our deliverer, our loving Father, faithful, true. And let joy and peace fill our minds and flood our hearts. Let them rush together and combine to bring hope. Let your words be brought to our attention your promises to deliver, your promises to provide, your promises to heal, your promises to be near. Let your promises flood our hearts and minds that we might stand upon them and in doing so find ourselves in the midst of hope, anticipating, trusting, and believing that those things that we desire will come to pass because those things that we desire are the things that you have spoken. We bless your name and we praise you. Let joy and peace fill each one of us and let hope be the result that we might be a beacon of hope for all of those who are knowing despair in these times. And even now we ask, will you stir our hearts by your spirit with a purpose and a passion to intercede and let our prayers be released 
as hope would be released to bring about a wonderful and righteous result. We bless your name and praise your name in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.